0: good morning morning. let's turn in our Bibles this morning to psalm 103 while you're turning there let me put you at ease those of you who uh, have not um, told anybody your birth date for the directory you don't have to give the year (laughs) it's only necessary to have the month and the day or you could give a different year if you want to psalm 103 uh, we'll read two verses the second verse we're really interested in Uh, verse we'll begin with verse six the lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed he made known his ways to moses his acts to the children of israel so now you understand why we're reading this verse at least it's got the name moses in it Uh, it's a wonderful verse verse seven and uh I'm sure maybe you're sitting here saying, uh, okay, I don't see anything interesting about this. We already knew all this stuff. Well, it's very interesting in that it's more than just a form of what's called parallelism in uh, the Psalms. Psalms, there are many wonderful literary techniques God uses. He's quite an author, you know, God is. Did you ever know that? Wrote a whole book. Everything from history to poetry, uh songs epistles letters wonderful book and it's all true but in psalms it's wonderful psalms of course are songs he uses a lot of literary techniques one of them is called parallelism for example look at verse 10 you'll see what i'm talking about he has not dealt with us according to our sins nor punished us according to our iniquities there's a similar idea again two phrases that sound pretty much as if they're saying the same thing you understand Now, they're not exactly saying the same thing. In fact, that's wonderful. one of the wonderful ways to study psalms is to look at parallelisms like this and see how they're different. They're never identical. There's always a subtle difference. Well, in verse 7, there's a wonderful difference. Let's look at it again. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. What's different besides Moses and the children of Israel? Yeah. Do you understand the distinction God is making there? He revealed his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. You understand the distinction there? Okay, his acts, the things that he did, anybody could see that. You stand, even at a distance, you can see the great things that God did. You know, the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, the giving of manna from heaven, his acts, his actions. Moses saw more than that he saw the ways of god the ways your acts are one thing your ways are quite another it's you inside it's 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 why you do what you do uh your motives uh your purposes and so on um, i think probably a lot of people here uh, speak a foreign language at least one foreign language and uh when i was in high school i took french and in french uh, there are two words for our single word to know. I see Eric nodding his head. I guess it's the same in Portuguese. Is it that way in Spanish too? Yeah, okay. I'm not surprised. They're romance languages. In French, you talk about knowing facts, you use the word savoir. But if you're talking about knowing a person, you use an entirely different word, connaître. If you don't know a person very well, you might use the word savoir again. Connaître implies knowing someone's ways you know them as a person you really know them we we're familiar with this um everybody here's no know, here knows who barry bonds and uh, president bush are i would imagine but who knows them personally no See, so we all know him in the know them in the sense of savoir we know their acts we've we've uh seen clips of barry hitting number uh 750 or whatever you know We've heard President Bush give a speech, but when it comes to their family members—Barry's wife and kids, and, and parents, and and uh, President Bush's immediate family—they know more than that. They 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 know these individuals, their habits. They know um, the things they do. They know their character traits, good and bad. Um mannerisms and so on so there's a wonderful uh insight right here in this little verse that at first glance looks like oh god just repeating himself and he's telling us stuff we already we already know no that's not true god is telling us something here in fact there's a wonderful phrase about moses in exodus 33 god says this so the lord spoke to moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend wow wouldn't that be great to be called the friend of god that's what God calls Moses, his friend. So that's what we're going to call the message this morning, Moses, the friend of God. And we're going to uh, look particularly at his relationship with God. We've looked pretty much at his relationship with other people from Pharaoh, Aaron, uh, all, all the other Israelites, the Egyptians, and so on. We've talked somewhat about his relationship with God. But in the case of Moses, that we learn a lot about his relationship with God, and it applies uh, to us today. So that's what we're going to look at very uh limited section we're not going to jump around a lot this morning we're going to spend most of our time in uh later book uh uh, chapters of exodus so turn to chapter 32 of exodus and uh, we'll begin reading in verse 30 just to set the context here uh the golden calf has just happened they've they've turned to idolatry moses has come down and confronted them with it and um, moses is now going to go back up to the mountain and uh, talk to god exodus 32 verse 30 now it came to pass on the next day that moses said to the people you have committed a great sin so now i will go up to the lord perhaps i can make atonement for your sin then moses returned to the lord and said oh These people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now, therefore, go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. Okay, uh, first of all, you know what Moses is doing here when he's talking to God? What's the word we use when you talk to God? He's praying. Yeah, except his prayer is a little more intimate than ours. You know, he's talking to God face to face. God doesn't have a face. That's the expression God uses, but in his immediate presence. And God speaks back to him in an, in an audible way so that uh, Moses can hear him. So uh, we learned something here about Moses. He's constantly interceding for the people. And uh, Moses is going through a learning experience, even in this little conversation right here. I want you to notice something. As he pleads for the people notice what happened in 32 i don't know how it's punctuated in your bible in mine it's like this in 32 yet now if you will forgive their sin and then there's a hyphen there's a dash like a pause and then he says but if not i pray blot me out of your book which you have written it's very interesting and that's that's apparently the way it really reads moses what is he saying in the first part he's saying forgive their sin but he's learning about god and the holiness of god and i think he pauses there because he realizes i really don't have a basis to appeal for that on you understand you know forgive their sin but why (laughs) he can't give god a good reason there isn't one And it's not until later when he begins to learn about the Levitical system and the sacrifices and the priesthood and the tabernacle and so on that he will understand that it's going to take blood and the life of of an animal to really just cover, make atonement for the sin. He doesn't understand all that yet, although certainly he has the same revelation that Adam and everyone through here has had that they need to offer sacrifices to God. But in this case, in the case of idolatry, where here they've been worshiping this calf right during the time when god is is uh, giving the commandment you know not to have any other gods before me he's thinking okay lord please forgive them but then that's as far as he can go on it and so it's interesting that what he says next he says but if not in other words if you won't forgive them i pray blot me out of your book which you have written it's it's kind of like an argument you know lord if you don't forgive them then just blot me out of the book you know well He's going to learn something here. God doesn't make deals like that. As sacrificing as it is, that's an incredible thing for Moses to say that, isn't it? So that's why God's response in verse 33. God is answering both of the statements in 32 by saying this. Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. In other words, I'm sorry, sin has to be punished. And so... Uh, and of course, he does that. You saw the plague at the end of the section we read. He has to judge sin. He's also telling Moses, "Look, you didn't participate in that sin, talking about the golden calf. So I'm not going to punish you, and I'm not going to blot you out of my book. I don't work that way. I'm a just God." So right here, Moses is is getting to know God. You see, Conathra, you know, in a, in a deeper way, just in this little interchange right here. And so, we saw, verse 35, the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. It's interesting, by the way, let me stress that when they're talking about sin here in these verses, they're referring particularly to a single sin, the sin of the golden calf. Okay, God is not saying Moses is sinless, he's just talking about the consequences of the sin of idolatry with the golden calf. And in fact, later in Deuteronomy, it's interesting how Moses talks about this. He he says, then I took your sin, the calf which you made, and burned it with fire and crushed it. He calls the calf the sin. It's interesting. So he's just talking about that. Okay, then reading the next section, uh, chapter 33, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it. And I will send my angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Hore. I love that. Uh, you, you get the picture here, verse 5, you know, they've, they've been naughty. And God says, alright, take off all of your earrings and your bracelets and all the other jewelry, all the gold you got from the Egyptians, and then I'll know what, and then I'm going to decide what I'm going to do next. <laughs> kind of like a parent right with a child you ever been in that i remember i was like that you know my uh, i i had done something and my da- okay just go in the other room and wait for me Whoa-ho! and that's what god is doing he's, he's, he's going to give them time to think about it and uh but he's, he's he's made a statement here it's very interesting did you catch it god said you go ahead and do what i told you to take the people up into the promised land but i'm not going to go up in your midst I'm not going to be uh, with you anymore. I'll I'll send my angel to lead you, but I'm not going to be in your midst anymore because you guys are stiff-necked people. Now, God is testing uh, Moses with this, just like he did before when he said, uh, step aside and let me at these people. I'm going to make you a nation and I'm going to consume all of them. That was a test for Moses. He wasn't going to kill all the Israelites and make Moses a nation. He, He would have made himself a liar. He was testing Moses. Remember that? And he's doing it again here by saying he's not going to be in their midst. Um, Okay, so God, in in the beginning, by the way, technically God could do that. He's not breaking any promises here. He's going to give the people the land just like he promised. He says that in verses 1 and 2. But he's holy. Moses is learning here again. He can't uh, live with sin. That's really what he's telling Moses. So, with this idea, that's why it says when the people heard this bad news, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. You can imagine, it says they stripped themselves. You can imagine how fast those ornaments came off, you know, when God said, all right, take off your ornaments and I'm going to decide what I'm going to do with you. So, there's some soul searching that takes place here. It's interesting that uh, God told Moses, okay, now it's time to go up there. Moses doesn't leave. Moses doesn't go anywhere because we've seen him grow in the Lord, right? Remember that? He's he's come from a guy who uh, can't do anything even with the Lord to the point now where he doesn't want to do anything without the Lord. And so they don't go anywhere. It's interesting how things uh, continue. Now We don't know how long for days or weeks, but we'll read that here in verse 7. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. So he's not in the people's midst either. And called it the tabernacle of meeting. Now, this isn't the tabernacle proper that God specified. This is just Moses' tent. It's his house. But he's removed it away from the people. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was. Whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshipped. each man in his tent door. So, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend that's what we read earlier, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle so this goes on we don't know how long days, weeks, but what's interesting, if you notice in verse seven, it says, it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting that's interesting so. Here's this uh, period of time where they've sinned and they're waiting for God to do whatever he's going to do. And I believe one by one, you know, they begin to realize their sin and went out to seek the Lord's face, to confess their sin, to repent. They didn't go out there for advice. It says they went out to seek the Lord. And so we're really having a time of of a reflection here among the people and certainly some who uh, went out and uh, repented. What's interesting is we have just this phrase here, it says in the Lord, talk with Moses over this pretty time. We don't know what was said, but uh, it makes you wonder, you know, what were those conversations like as the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and they spoke with each other? Well, we have one snippet And this is really the heart of uh, what we're going to be talking about. Uh, It starts in verse 12. It's one of the most beautiful conversations in the Bible between uh, God and a man. And it's really a conversation of love when you examine it. Uh, We'll begin in verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said... I know you by name and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Okay, Uh he's moses is now dealing with god because god said when you go up there i'm not going to go up with you in your midst like i've been doing and moses doesn't want that to happen you got you got the message here right in fact when he says uh moses said to the lord you say to me bring up this people but you have not let me know whom you will send with me moses is thinking of only one person to go with him it's the lord and that in fact he's going to get that's what he's getting around to here in his conversation with the lord He doesn't want just the guidance. He doesn't want the angel out in front. In fact, Moses says plainly, look, if you're not with us, don't even bother sending us. Moses has grown. huh? And he really loves the Lord. And what's wonderful here is is that the Lord, I I think the Lord was testing Moses and this by doing this, we see the heart of Moses. Because Moses basically pleads, Lord, go with us or don't send us at all and when the lord responds and says my presence will go with you he's literally saying my face will go with you it's a wonderful picture uh instead of having an angel in front the lord is saying me i am going to be right there with you in your midst my face no substitute no representative not at a distance i will be right there with you and this is what moses wants moses loves the lord Okay, it's not, we're not just talking about law giving here. We're talking about a man who loves his God. And then, of course, so he says in verse 15, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. But Moses is nailing it down. You know, the Lord has said, okay, I'll I'll be with you now. And Moses drives it home. He says, okay, now, if you don't go with us, don't even bother sending us because we're not going to go. And there's a wonderful phrase here that is used in moses relationship with god i don't know if you caught it he says it in the beginning and he says it at the end god says i know you by name isn't that great god says moses you know the way you would if you met him he calls him by name he speaks to him by name in the conversation he uses his name that's wonderful god is saying something by that And, you know, I know uh, many people would think, oh, what a a privilege it would be if some celebrity, if I knew them on a first name basis, you know, some rock star, some movie star, some sports figure, some politician. Imagine God speaking to you and calling you by name, by your name. Imagine hearing that. Well, let me tell you, if you're a Christian, that's going to happen. Have you thought about that? the judgment seat of christ you and i are going to have a personal interview with jesus we're told that in the bible it's not going to be some angel going you know number three thousand four hundred eighty seven it's going to be you and the lord me and the lord and when he speaks he's going to call you by name can you imagine what that's going to sound like when you hear the lord jesus first call you by name think about it wow it says in John 10, where Jesus is speaking, and he says, talking about the good shepherd, which is himself, he says, I know my sheep and I call them by name. By name. I've heard my name used by a lot of people. And it means more or less depending on who's saying it and how they say it. But uh, it's going to be very special to hear the Lord Jesus speak to me by name. And you too, I think. Uh, Another phrase that occurs in here—it's wonderful. Moses keeps using it over and over again. He keeps calling the Israelites when he speaks to God. He says, "Your people." You notice that's like three or four times. "Your people," reminding God, "Look, they're your people. You know, you—you chose them. You called them out. They belong to you." God knows that, but it's wonderful to draw Moses out here and see where he's really coming from. There's a really poignant phrase in here. I don't know if you caught it—the second half of verse 16. Moses says for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us. Now listen to what he says. He says, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. You got that? Moses has got this picture. It's a wonderful picture of the Israelites staying close to God, separate from the idolaters and all the people around them and just having this intimate relationship with God. That's the picture he's painting. You got that? isn't it beautiful so we shall be separate your people and i from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. you'll be our god we'll be your people at least that's the way it should work from moses point of view but uh, we know how it really worked out in application okay this interview now that moses is having with god is going to get even more intimate in the next verse let's read the next section here verse 18 and he said this is moses please show me your glory Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. Okay. Verse 18. One of the most precious verses, really, in the Old Testament, if not the, not the Bible. Here is a is a man who is growing close to the Lord. And, and notice, please, show me your glory. He has seen so much of God now, and he is so enraptured with the Lord... And it's kind of like when uh, the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's done that. He's had a taste. But he realizes there's so much more to God that he doesn't see and that he wants to know. Because what he's seen so far is so wonderful. And so that's why Moses is saying that, please show me your glory. I want to see all of you. You got it? You see that? It's beautiful. Moses is really wrapped up with his God. God. He says, I want more. I've had a little bit, but I want more. I want to know more about you. You know why this is so wonderful, among other things? This is what Moses was created for. This is what you were created for. You may have a good time doing a lot of other things, but the one thing that you were meant for and that you will be happiest in doing is knowing God. You were made, it's like a, A car was made to run on the freeway. It's not any happier than when it's going down the road, you know. Or a bread slicer slicing bread. You were made and I was made to know God. Better and better each day. We're not going to know him all at once because he's infinite and I'm finite. And so uh, Moses is right where he should be. Right here. He's basically in heaven. This is what happens in heaven, by the way. Okay, God revealing himself to us. More and more as the ages roll on. And so that's what he means by that. Please show me your glory. He doesn't know how to express it, you know. I want to know more of you. He says, show me your glory. Now, again, be careful. When God uses all these uh, physical parts that we're used to, like hand and face and backside and so on, he, ha- he's try- he has to communicate with Moses the best way he can, because God does not have a body, that you cannot take me all in at once that's i'm glad i'm glad about that by the way okay it will take eternity and we'll never get to the end of knowing everything about god and appreciating him for who he is so don't worry it's not going to get boring in heaven okay but god is telling moses in in the way that he'll understand you can't see all of me at the same time you couldn't you couldn't handle it (laughs) it'd be too much for you and so if you, if you got the words there, um, it's beautiful the way God describes it because basically, uh, what he's saying is, Moses, you can have a glimpse of me. That's what he's saying. Because he puts, there's a rock there. This is where we get that, uh, that song, the hymn, by the way, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. You know, it comes from this, this picture here. But there's this rock, Horeb, if it is the mountain they think it is, by the way, in the south of the Sinai, it's just this huge rock. And there was a cleft. There was a, an indentation and god says i'll put you in there i'll cover you with my hand and then i'll pass by and you can just get a glimpse of my backside okay and that's enough by the way because when moses is going to come down his face is going to shine just from having seen that you ever met anybody whose face literally glows shines? no i don't think there's a term for that medically is there michael no when skin actually glows no we've never had it just one time Okay, uh, what's wonderful here too, by the way, when we make connections of these passages with the New Testament, God says, you can't see my face. Wonderful, wonderful verse in Revelation toward the end. It says, and they shall see his face. We'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll have new bodies and we'll be changed and we'll be in heaven with the Lord. And then it says, we'll see his face. will not that be wonderful? There's not going to be any limitations, you know, other than the fact that we're just finite mortals. And it's going to take eternity for God to uh, reveal his whole self. Okay, uh, verse uh, 1 of chapter 34. And the Lord said to Moses, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Remember, he broke the first ones. And I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. So be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. By the way, God is answering his request here. He didn't do it right away. He's, he's getting Moses ready. He's going to have a night to, to uh, sleep and think about it. And God's going to show him himself the next morning. And no man shall come up with you and let no man be seen throughout all the mountain. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. So he, that is Moses, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up Mount Sinai as the lord had commanded him and he took in his hands the two tablets of stone now the lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the lord and the lord passed before him and proclaimed the lord the lord god merciful and gracious long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth keeping mercy for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin by no means clearing the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Then he said, If now I have found a grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. And God uh, consents to that. Okay, so here's... Uh, the answer to moses's prayer when he says show me your glory i wonder how moses slept the night before he had a night to think about it and we we have the words on the page here but there's just no way we can conceive how this must have been for moses god the infinite god is present with moses here revealing himself speaking his name and describing himself to him. There's no way we can imagine how it must have been other than uh, impressive, awesome, wonderful. Uh, we'd, we'd run out of words to describe it. The interesting thing is verse 8, it says, Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. He, he hurried up. When, when, he, when he got this vision of God, he didn't stand there, he didn't sit there, he went flat, prostrate. And it wasn't because there was some guy holding up a sign, you know, worship. Moses just instinctively did it because of what he was experiencing and what he was hearing. Now, it's interesting. I don't know if you catch this when you read verses like this. But uh, in verse 7, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity in transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty. Which is it? forgiving or not clearing the guilty it's both isn't it it has to be or god would be a liar but now th- this is meant for moses moses right now is I, i'm pro- intellectually he's going huh how can both of those be and he's real i don't know how much the man is going to understand by the time uh, he dies and goes to be with the lord but Think about how privileged we are right now sitting here in this room with all of God's word here. We understand what he's saying. They're both of those statements. Uh, Keeping mercy for thousands and not clearing the guilty are reconciled one place in the cross of Christ. Right? In fact, uh, the, that wonderful verse in Romans 3 where he is both just, that is he judged sin in the cross in his son, but my sin. But he's also, at the same time, the justifier that's having uh, keeping mercy. That's the other half in the one who has faith in Christ. Now, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, that's how it works. Okay? No, God doesn't just forget the sin or sweep it under the table or understand that you're basically a nice guy or, you know, you're frail like dust and, and so on. It's none of that. God must judge sin and he does and he did in his son at the cross and the way he forgives you is that you come to the cross and trust christ as your savior and at that moment he becomes both he's judged your sin in his son and now he's the justifier of you he says now you're righteous okay moses didn't know all of that but we do okay uh next uh, section we're going to look at is in now verse 27. God agrees to Moses's appeal of going up in their midst and he uh reiterates a few of the commandments, the uh, Sabbath laws and so on. And then in verse 27, then the Lord said to Moses, "Write these words for according to the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel." So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drink water by the way uh these are two separate periods of 40 days the first time was when he was with the lord and uh, received the first tablets all the instructions about uh, the tabernacle and the priesthood and so on 40 days and nights and not just no food no water and you're probably thinking man that poor guy think about it a second who is he with his creator Moses didn't go hungry. Okay? God saw to that. He was probably fitter when he came down than when he went up. Okay? Don't worry about it. When you're in the very presence of God, uh, you don't say, pardon me, Lord, I'm getting a little hungry. I need to take a snack over here. You feast on God, so to speak. Okay? And that's what he'd been doing. But the point is, it happened again. Within a short time between him moving his tent out, And having the audiences with people who came out there, he's up there for another 40 days and nights. without. So it's 80 days now without food or water. Uh, We'll continue now, verse 28. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them and Aaron, and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near and he gave them as commandments, all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him, that is, with the Lord. This would have been a sight to see. Uh, This is not like some guy putting a flashlight and shining it on his face. This is, this light is a reflection of the glory of God. We've talked about that before. Uh, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, it says his face shone like the sun, remember? You can forget Hollywood special effects. Okay? Or anything else you might dream up. Because the light is not that light. This, this is just photons. Caused by reactions in the uh, orbitals of the electrons in their shells, okay? It's all physical stuff. The light uh, of the Lord Jesus, the glory of God and the glory of Moses here is a moral light. It uh, shows the holiness and the the goodness and the perfection of God. He's the only one in the universe that has this naturally. So no wonder we don't know about it. We don't have that amongst ourselves, okay? We don't shine because we're sinners. (laughs) God is not. He's perfect. And as a result... One of the consequences is this wonderful glory. And so that's what uh, was shining from the face of Moses. And it, I don't blame them, it bothered the people. Can you imagine talking to a guy and his face is shining? It'd be a little distracting, wouldn't it? You know? Okay, Uh, we'll finish up here uh, in Deuteronomy now. But I love that section. You get a wonderful insight into Moses and his personal relationship with God and his love for the Lord and his desire to know the Lord in a deeper way. Deuteronomy 6. All right, here we are now 40 years later. The passage we just looked at was right after coming out of Egypt. They've gone uh, through the Sinai Desert, come to Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, And uh, God has spoken to them there. That's the beginning of the wanderings. Not long after that, you remember, they sent in spies and they said, well, we can't do it. Giants in the land. And so they wandered in the Sinai desert for 40 years. So now here we are 40 years later after that. And for 40 years, Moses has been shepherding this people step by step in circles through the desert, waiting for everybody above the age of 20 to die off. So now, Moses, it's real easy to figure out Moses' life. What happened when, by the way? Remember how old he was when he fled from Egypt? Forty. How long did he spend in the backside of the desert? Forty years. And then forty years wandering in the desert again. So, he's hundred and twenty now, and the Lord is about to uh, take him home. After, by the way, never having gone into the promised land. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, uh, we're going to end in deuteronomy let me say deuteronomy you know what the where the name of the book is taken from it's it's interesting how we get the names of some of the books of the bible in english uh it's not consistent sometimes it's taken from a phrase in the book sometimes it's describing something that's happening in the book sometimes it's latin sometimes it's greek sometimes it's english you know in this case deuteronomy comes from deutero two or second and nome the law so, it literally is meant to be, it's the second giving of the law. Okay? We had a lot of law giving in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. Here, they're right opposite uh, Jericho, on the edge of the Jordan River now. They're about to go into the Promised Land. They're right on the very edge. And so, this whole book is basically Moses reviewing God's uh, work with them, their history as a people, all the things that happened, and then he's uh, restating the laws as well. It's, it's like he's got his last words. He's about to leave them. And so this is what I want to tell you guys. I want to remind you of the faithfulness of God, remind you of what you guys did, and don't do it again. Okay? But I want to stress, this is one of the most beautiful books in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy. People look at it and they say, oh yeah, that's right, it's a repeat. No, it's not, first of all. Almost everything that is restated from previous is said a different way and there are things we learn that we didn't know before and, and most of it is new stuff. You'd be surprised. One of the wonderful things about it is that almost every word in here is something, is what Moses said. You look at it and then Moses said. Remember Mr. Moses, the guy that's not eloquent? Thirty-four chapters! Okay? That's a pretty long talk, huh? And it's wonderful because one of the most wonderful things about the book of Deuteronomy, something people don't realize is it's the book of love. You would think the key word in this book would be law. You know what the key word is? One of the key words, it's love. And it comes from the heart of Moses. In fact, I had you turn to chapter six because look at verse five. Moses is speaking to the people. And uh, begin in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Love. Spoken from the heart of a man who loves God. Now, certainly, uh, the words Moses spoke here were inspired, but when God inspired men, whether it was Paul, Peter, Moses, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah he used their character he didn't overrule their character and you can see it and so the point is as moses is speaking he's speaking from the heart they're the words of god but they're from the heart of moses what's interesting is this is the first time this particular command appears isn't that interesting it wasn't back in exodus it com- it appears here the first time but not just once It's repeated nine times in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses is appealing to the people to love the Lord the way I do. Of course, now he's not perfect. He doesn't love the Lord all the time with all his heart, soul, mind and strength. But he loves God and he wants uh, the people to be that way too. He knows that's the only way they're going to succeed. Not just keeping laws, but wanting to please the Lord because he loves them. And that's the way Moses is. He has a deep relationship with God and it comes out in this book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Okay, now we'll turn to one last section here. I love this in uh, chapter 9 because there's a connection with this book and a particular place in the New Testament. Chapter 9, verse 9. We'll just read a short section here. Moses, again, is speaking and he's he's reviewing the time we just got through reading about in exodus he's recounting how it happened when i went up into the mountain to receive the tablets of stone the tablets of the covenant which the lord made with you then i stayed on the mountain forty days and forty nights i neither ate bread nor drank water then the lord delivered to me two tablets of stone written with a finger of god and on them were all the words which the lord had spoken to you on the mountain from the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly And it came to pass at the end of 40 days and 40 nights that the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone, the tablets of the covenant. Then the Lord said to me, Arise, go down quickly from here, for your people whom you brought out of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded image. Furthermore, the Lord spoke to me, saying, I have seen this people, and indeed they are a stiff-necked people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven. And I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. So I turned and came down from the mountain and the mountain burned with fire and the two tablets of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked and behold, you had sinned against the Lord, your God had made for yourselves a molded calf. You had turned aside quickly from the way which the Lord had commanded you. Then I took the two tablets and threw them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord as at the first 40 days and 40 nights I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sin which you committed in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke Him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure with which the Lord was angry with you to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron and would have destroyed him so i prayed for aaron also at that same time okay Uh, wonderful things here and just a couple we didn't know before in the second time with god where he said show me your glory with the the passage that we just looked at also during that time he was spending time praying for the people so we were wondering what is he doing up there for that 40 days well it looks like most of it was spent in praying for the people and, in fact, we didn't know this he 's up there. he knew Aaron really blown it by carving this calf, in spite of the fact that Aaron said, "Oh, I just tossed the gold in the fire, and now came this calf." You know God tells us plainly he carved it with an engraving tool it said, he he prayed for Aaron, and you can see uh the the emotion and the concern here. He says, "I was afraid for you guys that'll drive somebody to their knees to pray for them, won't it so here we have another another insight into the relationship of of moses with the lord 40 days crying out for someone you ever done that i haven't 40 minutes is a long prayer for me 40 days of uh, having such a burdened heart for other people that he's pleading with god to spare them man what a heart i told you there was a connection in here uh with a new testament passage if you think about it it's interesting moses spent 40 days without food and water in the mountain and he was alone with god all that time somebody else in the new testament spent 40 days out in the desert without food was the lord jesus and we know that this particular book deuteronomy was very precious to the lord jesus because during that time, and I think his mind uh, and heart really turned to this passage of a, of a guy who loves God and is alone with God, because that's what he was doing. He wasn't just out there going hungry. He was alone with his father. And it's no coincidence that when the devil tempted him, you remember he resisted three times, each time he quoted the word of God to the devil. Now I know some of you know this, but maybe some of you don't. All three of the verses he quoted, do you know what they're from? Deuteronomy. Is that interesting? It's the it's the book talking about the heart that loves God, you see. That's the Lord Jesus. And his his heart and his mind were wrapped up in this book during that time. And so it just naturally came out because of his love for his father during those 40 days. I think that's wonderful. Okay, well, uh, turn to the end of the, the book here chapter uh, 34 the moses just gets more and more eloquent as the thing goes on he has another song by the way moses was a composer did you know that we had the song of moses after the deliverance from uh, pharaoh's army there's a beautiful song at the end of the book of deuteronomy as well then he blesses the tribes because he's about to depart now he ends up in uh, chapter 33 Verse 26, with this conclusion, these are his last words, at least recorded anyway, to his people. There is no one like the God of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to help you, and in his excellency on the clouds. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. He will thrust out the enemy from before you, and will say, destroy. Then Israel shall dwell in safety. The fountain of Jacob alone in a land of grain and new wine, his heavens shall also drop dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. Your enemies shall submit to you and you shall tread down their high places. Isn't that eloquent? Isn't that beautiful? And those are the last recorded words we have of this godly man. Because then it begins, chapter 34. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac and Jacob saying, I will give it to your descendants. I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab thirty days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. But since then, there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses whom the lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders which the lord sent him to do in the land of egypt before pharaoh before all his servants and in all his land and by all that mighty power and all the great terror which moses performed in the sight of all israel is that a great epitaph uh you know the world would look at this guy's life and they say he was a failure you know here he is uh, going to lead the people in the promised land that's like the calling that's that's the thing that he wants to do is go into the land with the people and because he quote blew it he didn't even go into the land all he did was spend his last 40 years wandering around in the desert and then dying there well god says he was a great success okay and he was moses and and by the way you notice in moses words there's no bitterness here you know you guys are going to go in but i don't get to go you know you're not going to see any of that he has totally accepted god's will he's a happy man okay going into the land has become unimportant to him now the only important thing to moses has become that he be near his lord and that he please him that's it so for 40 years, wandering in that same desert that he'd already spent 40 years in herding sheep, great, I'm with my God, and that's all that matters. That's the heart of Moses. It's, it was the heart of Paul, remember. He said, I've lost everything. I have nothing left, but all the things I lost, I count them, but rubbish, compared to the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. Same heart. Job, man, did he ever lose everything? but then he gets that beautiful revelation of god and by the end here's this guy all his kids dead all of his possessions gone his wife telling him to curse god covered with boils from head to foot and what does he do he falls down on his face and he worships god same same heart again so is there an application yeah i want to be like moses you know we need to keep that focus that's what it's all about knowing god serving him pleasing him Everything else falls into place. Spend time alone with the Lord. His word. You know, I, I know we sit here and we say, man, but I'm not, I can't go up on that mountain. You know, I don't talk face to face with God. No, but on the other hand, we have something Moses didn't have. We have this. Okay. I'll tell you, there's plenty in here to learn about the Lord and more. Moses didn't have the, Moses didn't know about the cross we have salvation through God's own son who died for us. Wow! you know if Moses were here we were to tell him that of course he knows it now but if we told him that in his lifetime I think he would have fainted if not had a heart attack think about that God's own son died for you and me we know that we know we're going to heaven as a result of that we know we're gonna be there for eternity with him we're indwelt by God's own spirit Wow, God himself dwelling in us. So we may not have some of the stuff Moses did, but we have a lot more, too, that he didn't. Another lesson, too. I love Moses' prayers. That is when he speaks with God. You notice how bold he is? Not irreverent now. Be careful. You know, some people are really irreverent when they talk to God. It's, It's disrespectful. But a boldness based on the character of God and on the word of God. I remember there was a missionary to Belgium. He came and spoke to us and he recounted his experiences there. And he said, you know, for the first two years, I didn't see a soul saved. I had Bible studies. I witnessed to people. I passed out tracts, I did everything I could and nothing happened. And he he tells of how he he got into his bedroom. He closed the door. He got his Bible out and he quoted Matthew to the Lord. He says, Lord, you say right here, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Lord, you're not doing it. And when he said that, man, you don't pray like that well he he meant it in the right sense he was crying out to god he said i want to claim your word lord you said it i want to see it happen amazingly within a couple of years he had several churches planted there in belgium he, he took god at his word and he boldly got hold of the throne of grace and he said lord i'm not happy with just having bible studies i want to see you glorified and see churches planted so it's, and it's not just reading the Bible and it's not just praying, of course. Uh, we can only learn so much by reading and praying. You know, the other key element to learning about God? Obedience. That's right. Yeah. It'd be nice if we could just retire to an ivory tower, you know, study this book and pray, you know, like a monk or something. But, uh, the other key to the equation is like Moses, trusting the Lord more and more, day by day. Okay wonderful life of moses and i hope it speaks to your heart the way it does to mine let's pray lord we thank you so much for your word we thank you for this man moses uh, who was great not because of himself because of the god that he knew and the god that he loved and uh, lord if there's any aspiration worth having it's to be like moses we think of the words of paul the love of christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all then all were dead and that he did die for all, that they which live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. Lord, that may that be our desire, our longing of our heart. May we be like Moses, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.